Hey, I want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout out to my buddy Colt Naring. Um, if you're looking for a good custom built saddle that fits mules and fits you, you need to check out Colt Saddlery. You find him on Facebook, Colt Saddlery, and uh, tell him Ty sent you. He will take good care of you. Okay, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. I'm Ty Evans, and uh, today i got a special guest, my friend Jerry Johnson. We're hanging out here in Hopkins, Michigan, uh, on, a win, on a whim ranch, on a whim ranch. Right. So anyways, we're going to do a clinic here this week. What, is this our third clinic here? This is your second one. Second he, one here. You did a, we did had you for private lessons. That was a private clinic, yeah. yeah. So anyways... I love coming. Jerry's got a great place and uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So yeah. anyways, thanks for jumping on here. I'm honored, Ty. This is great. Yeah. Jerry's got a voice for radio. He's, <laughs> and he's got a face for radio. He's got a too. face for radio too. He's got the hair for radio too. <laughs> That's exactly So right. if you guys can see it, but um, anyways, Jerry and I have been friends for a few years now and, and uh, let's see when I met you, you come to the clinic up in, Claire. Up in Claire in, I think, 2017. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think that's where we met and then decided to host the clinic here the, in 18. And then I went back and saw you in 19. And we've had you in for private lessons. And I've seen mm -hmm. you at other other events along the way. And we've stayed in touch. So it's been a, it's been a great. It's been terrific. Yeah. So, Jerry's, uh, you're, you're quite the interesting fella. Wow. He, this guy's, uh, I mean... He, what do you got? You got 12 critters down, right? We're on top of the barn. Yes. And under the barn here, we've got about 12 critters under us. And you got everything. You got horses. You got mules. You got donkeys. You got a Zorse. I got Zelda the Zorse. You got right. Zelda the Zorse, which, uh, I mean, she's got her own well, Facebook she, she page. She has 11,000 followers on Facebook. 11, she's her yeah. Own, she's yeah. her own thing, right? Oh, yeah. She's her own She's her own deal. I posted a, I told you I posted a video. Yeah. Uh, just a short little video of saying, hey, this is Zelda the Zorse on my Facebook page. So let me tell you a quick funny More story about her. Zelda. I was thinking about that. Yeah. So I was riding her at the Michigan State Horse Expo a few years ago, and I'm standing outside the arena with a huge crowd, and I'm nervous as heck, and this old woman comes up to me and taps me on the foot because I was on Zelda's back and said, are you nervous, son? And I went, well, yeah, I am a little nervous. I'm just hoping not to fall off. And she says, oh, honey, don't worry about it. We're here to see Zelda anyways. <laughs> Yeah, which sort oh, yeah. of puts you in puts everything yeah. in perspective, yeah, it's right? Not there. about you, man. It's about Zelda. <laughs> this is not yeah. at all about you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about Zelda a little later because she's <laughs> she's pretty cool, and um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns about sources. Yes. And uh, anyways, you have quite the education on it, so we're going to talk about Zelda in a little bit. But before we get to Zelda. Um, will you introduce yourself? Tell us sure. about your career. You got a pretty cool career, professor. Yeah. Tell us what you're doing, what you got going. Tell us about well, your life. Well, I'm a professor of social work at Grand Valley State University here in Michigan, West Michigan. And I've been there for 25, 26 years. And prior to that, I have a 15 year history in, in the human service fields. I ran um, substance abuse programs for teenagers and families through the nineties. And I ran, and I worked as a therapist in the late, in the eighties and the early nineties. And, I've gotten fortunate enough to travel and write and and talk and speak and and it's I'm really blessed to have the career that I have um, because it allows me to 
to really be involved in people helping people. And I, then I can, like you with mules, I can try to influence them in the way that my 38, 39 years in my business has taught me is the most effective way to be a helpful, right? Even if it doesn't match what others say. So, so, so that's why I, I think one of the reasons why I've appreciated your teaching so much is because, and we can talk about this later. I, I, I think there's a lot of parallels between what, working well with a mule and working well with people. Oh yeah. And, and I, I don't think there's much separation. No, so. it's all, it's all one and the same. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this and it's, 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 it's just fascinating to me. So one of the things that, uh, it, in this style of horsemanship and mulemanship that I teach, you know, we talk about the, the founders, you know, like Tom Dorrance and Ray Hunt, right. these guys, you know, and Ray Hunt was pretty famous at his clinics for saying, I'm here for the horse. Absolutely. I'm not here for you guys. I'm here for the horse. And, and uh, I, I see it like that in a way, but I realize that I cannot help these mules. Right. I cannot help these horses. I can't help these donkeys or his horses. Right. Uh, if I don't have people. Well, it's funny you, you say, it's it. funny. I did not know he said that, but my students get a little shocked. Uh, we just started a new semester and they're grad students. And I tell them that, well, I care about them and I care about what they learn. Who I'm really worried about are their vulnerable clients that need them yeah. to know what we're about to do. Right. Yep. That, that There's just no, they, you're the people that really need you, whose life might be at stake. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who need you to get this stuff. So while I yeah. care about you, I really care about them. And, and so it's the, it's, and they just sort of look at me and I go, well, you know, so you're not overly vulnerable. Yeah. They are. So you got to so, be in it for that. That's right. You got, that's right. And you're helping these, your students are going to be helping, uh, alcoholics, drug addicts, you name social it. work of the, yeah, all you kinds, name it. Everything, family, anything, anything. I have people that anything from social workers that work in hospitals and child protective services to therapists that work in addiction to you name it. I get them. And, and so what I do is I teach principles instead of specifics so that, because the principles apply across across specialties and fields, and that should sound familiar to you. That sounds I familiar. I started teaching principles <laughs> years ago, yep. and it it because uh, I was sort of stuck one time. I was going to do a two day workshop at a, a Native American tribe in northern Michigan, and it struck me that I didn't know anything about their background and their culture, so I didn't want to make a fool out of myself. So I decided to teach principles that could apply, what regardless of what they what their practices are and what they believe, and it's just worked so that's another reason why our, your teaching yeah. has resonated so strongly with me over the years principles never change that's right you know that's i right. i might have somebody show up well, you, well you've showed up riding english tack that's right and you've showed up riding western tack and everything mm -hmm. in between and then you know i'll get people okay they're they, they do this they're into the jumping world and then i go to another clinic and i'm dealing with guys that buckaroo for a living that's right ride for a living feedlot cowboys that's right Last week, barrel racers. Uh, there, there's all, all different kinds, whatever you might do with your animal, but it's principles. It's the principles that overcome the cultural differences and the preferences and, oh, yeah. and, 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 and what's what yeah. you know what's accepted in each of these little each of these little communities that you get mm -hmm. to go into and, and the, but the principles stand and that's what I learned in my business. It's exactly the same thing. So something that just came to my mind here um that i want to talk about while we're kind of on your what you're teaching folks sure. is quitting how hard is it to quit when you've done something for so long and and where i'm coming from in my background obviously you know is 
I get these folks that show up to the clinics mm-hmm. and they've rode this way, done this thing this way all these years, all this right. time. That's how great, great granddaddy taught them back in 1902. Right. You know, they haven't changed. And I'm joking about that, but no, but no seriously, they haven't changed. And, uh, they've all, there's a quote that the, 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 the worst, uh, what do they call it? The worst words in ranching are, this is how we've always done it. Oh. <laughs> That's like, the, don't, oh, but you know, from your perspective though, because you're dealing with people that are going to be maybe facing, uh, addiction problems right. of, of any kind. And right. how hard is it to quit something you've done always well, so long? It's, 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 it's one of the hardest things people have to do. And a lot of that depends on who they've heard, who they've been taught by, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's grandpa or grandma or father or mother or friends or relatives or communities, people that actually mean something to them, their whole lives, their words, the, the, you know, they give these words more value than others. And, and for somebody like you and I, we're outsiders, we're strangers, we're not part of their world, right? We, mm-hmm. They don't know us other than what they've read about us or what, or what they have. And so I think it, it becomes an issue of helping people understand that just because you've heard something a certain way doesn't mean that it works for you always, that things change. I, I, I'm quoted, uh, it's about learning new things. And, and, I, and I think developing the confidence to learn new things and take a chance on learning new things, because you can always go back if it doesn't work. But I, I also think yeah, I, I'm learned. I'm taught that Muhammad Ali years ago said something that I found that I that I that I use all the time, and that is, if you believe the same thing today that you believed 20 years ago, all you've done is waste 20 years of your life. <laughs> and and so yeah, and so I do think that there yeah. is this, but it, but but trying to always be open to something new, to change things is 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 a challenge because it's scary and you, and you, and you, and you, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. What I always say is, but how's this, what you're doing turning out, right? So if this isn't turning out very well for you, how's that going for you? How's that going for you? <laughs> how's that working for you? Maybe we ought to just here in this weekend clinic or in this class or in this session or while you're here, or whatever the case may be, why don't you hold your breath and try something new and let's see if there's not some, some difference that might make a difference down mm-hmm. the road. Just give it. Just experiment with it, right? Right. You don't have to give up on on what you've always done, not yet. But you. But it might help you to experiment with something new. And experimenting is cool because experiments can go wrong, and you can always go away from. Them. So I use the yeah. experiment word a lot because people go, "Oh, it's just an experiment." Right? Takes but, takes a little pressure off. Yeah, if it doesn't work, it's just yeah. an experiment, right? So. Well, I tell people first day of the clinic, I'm just here to show you what works for me. Right. And I have, I'm just bringing my experiences to the table, hopefully to save you guys some time, because you've heard me say this before is life's too short to learn from your own mistakes. (laughs) It is. You got to learn from others. So, yeah, I mean, and so I'm here to share my mistakes and with you guys. And, uh, but I also also think sometimes it's about confidence and just self-confidence. And and, and I also think it's, it's just about sort of holding on to what you think, you know, just it's because that's where you feel like you've got something steady. Right. And I, I think it's scary for a lot of people who might not have experience trying new things and learning new things and turning on a dime. Plus in this country and, and around, you know, whether it's politics or something else, we've got this, this weird idea that if you change your mind, 
based on new information that somehow you're weak or you're you're not smart <laughs> or you're a flip flopper. And yeah, my goodness, if that's the case, I'm the weakest man in the world <laughs> because I I hear something new and I go investigate yeah. it and that works for me fine. The yeah. old stuff's out the door. But I do think that takes a certain level of confidence, self confidence, and then support from the people around you to to Absolutely. try something new. So yeah, there's so many things that. I would love you to talk on. Um, I got a few points here that I want to sure, talk about, but let's, let's back up a little bit here. Um, why don't you tell us how you got into the mules or the horses or all the above? Yeah. And um, let's start there. Well, it's a funny story. So I'm a city boy. I'm from Flint, Michigan. I mean, I grew up where 4-H in my town was a marching band. We didn't have cows and horses mm. and all that. And so in 1998, um, my wife had always wanted a horse. So in 1998, so that's 23, 24, 23, 24 years ago now, um, I won a Fulbright scholarship and I was supposed to go to Albania for a year and she was going to be here alone, right? And it was a pretty prestigious deal. And so to keep her happy, we bought her a horse and we put it at a friend's farm out, out near where we are right now at the mm -hmm. time. And then what happened is terrorism sort of started back in those days and Albania was a Muslim country and it still is. And they postponed my trip. So I didn't have anything to do for a whole, for a year. I was off the teaching schedule. Mm -hmm. So I was basically retired for a year. So I started hanging out at the farm and at that farm was the mule that's downstairs. My mule hope. Mm -hmm. She was a two-year-old and they had, they were in the mules, just getting into mules and hope sort. And it fascinated me. Well, I was afraid of them at first. I didn't even want to go near horses. I, I had never been around them. So, but hope sort of, sort of showed up wherever I was on that farm and she'd come in off the pasture and bop me with her nose and, and I swear to God. And, it, and it's like, so, okay. So then one day, which gets to the name of our ranch one day, a few months later, we decided let's just for the heck of it, let's go look for property. This is, I kind of, I started doing their chores and I sort of liked it. Right. And, and we found this place and bought it without thinking about it much. And when we got it, we named it on a whim farm oh, because we, we sort of bought this thing on a whim and, and it's the greatest thing that ever happened. Well, then I, I bought, was able to buy that mule, Hope, who's still with me. And then I bought Ruby, who's still with me. And I got a, I got a donkey I helped give birth to when it weaned, who's still with me. And, and we brought another horse in, and it just sort of went on from there. And so, and the mules fascinate me. They're, they're, people ask me all the time. I, I always see horses a little bit like cats, where they like you. But they, you know, but mules are a little bit more like dogs. Where I think if they decide you're their guy, they might they'll come off the pasture, off the grass to come in and hang out. If I'm standing out there, and I like that relationship that you can build with them, and and um, and they're a bit more of a challenge, but only until you don't understand them, understand what you're doing, and then then it's then I don't think it's that much of a challenge. It's just a different yeah. way of thinking about it. Is all. Well, you got all three down there. Four. Yeah. yeah horses, the, mules, donkeys. Horses, mules, and donkeys, and the Zors, who is sort of her own deal. But. So so people always love to – people pick at differences more than they right. pick at similarities. Right. Okay, they're all equine. They're right. all from the same family, equine. Right. So, But they always ask, what, what, what's the difference of working with the horse? That was a mule. There's a mule. <laughs> yeah, there's a mule. Okay, good timing. And the donkey. We're going to get to the horse later. But sure. Let's stick to those three. When you're just on your everyday dealings with those three critters, the horse, mm -hmm. the mule, the donkey, what's just your off-the-cuff differences, do you think? I, I, I think 
Not much, really. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think the mules and the donkey, even to a larger extent, they sort of have to, it sort of has to become their idea. You know, so I can't just grab them by the lead rope if they don't want to come in like this morning to get their feet trimmed. If I, I can't just grab them and drag them. I try sometimes, mm -hmm. but you sort of have to back up and bring them in where the horse, I can sort of just grab them and drag them. So, so, so I, I do think that the, that you have to take, I have found that it, you, you can't be on a schedule when you're with mules and especially donkeys, when you want to get them to go somewhere, because if they don't want to go there, it's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> Mules at least have some of the horse in them, so they'll, they'll mm -hmm. follow you a little bit. So I, I think that it's more patience. And the other thing, and this is true for horses too, is I had to learn really early on that that not to frustrate and try to keep my sort of my emotional level, my head empty, which is easy for me to do sometimes, because yeah. then they'll pick up on all that and then they'll start to sense all that. And, and then the mules won't do it even if you want them to. So. <laughs> <laughs> Once they pick that up, they're going to do it just to just yeah. to do it. So, yeah, I get. Well, you've you've heard it. You've been in a lot of clinics with me. I get that question a lot. You know, what's well? What are the differences here? And and I always joke. You know, in my clinics, I'm not going to say long ears over here, medium right. ears here, short ears here. Yeah. It's all the same. I think it's you about know, the same. Uh, I don't do a lot. You know, there's some. Yeah, there's some. There's some small things in the way they process the way that. Mm -hmm. You know, and the way you just summed it up. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we can make a horse do a lot of things. Unfortunately, we, we yes. can we can force a lot of horses to do a lot of things. Now, I I'm I'm not saying I should do that. I'm saying it can, it it it's, it can happen. Right. You ain't gonna force that donkey to do a dang thing. You you cannot make that donkey do anything. You know, without short of getting a tractor and picking it up and putting it where you want it, it ain't gonna do what you That's want. Right. So, um, and try to bribe them with food when you want them to come in and do something yeah, yeah right. no, they it's they'll not, starve before they'll do yeah it, it ain't right. about that you know one of my favorite quotes it's in the book true unity by tom mm -hmm. dorrance um is basically you have to treat the mule the way you should treat the horse i i've heard that you know i I, I love that quote in there um because he has it has a brief little thing in there about mules you know mm -hmm. and um i don't believe he said anything in there about donkeys or, or anything but you know really it's the uh, it's all the same. Yeah, I, I just—they have taught me. They have been so good for me, Ty, because they have taught me patience. They have taught me. I mean, they feed into everything. I they feed into everything that I want to be, right? As a person with other people, right? I mean, you know, you, the things you strive for to be. <laughs> but they—they they sort of heightened all of that because, you, you, you know, it's—it's it's, to me, it's all about them wanting to do it and getting them to want to do it and yeah. not being angry about it when you're doing it. So, which doesn't mean I haven't lost my temper from time to time, but <laughs> I try to do that hey. outside of the barn when they're not listening yeah. and then go, okay, how are you? All right, yep. <laughs> clear the, clear the mechanism. I got to go right. play with the mule. So, you know, and sometimes you just, you just do, you, you just do get a little upset, you know, yeah. and it's all right. A lot of people feel like I got upset with my mule. Are they going to hate me forever? Back off, take a big breath, start over, relax. And another another one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know who said it. I, it's just one of those quotes you hear tossed around all, all the time, is never miss an opportunity to start over. I love Never that. miss an opportunity to start that. over because you don't get very many of those. And 
But I tell folks it, it's not as big and complex as you think starting over might be. Right. Doesn't mean you have to. Oh, let's start retraining the whole thing from the very beginning. No, start over. You can start over your moment. There's lots of times where I've walked in, I'm frustrated, and I say something to Sky. I go, restart. <laughs> go out and come back in, yeah. right? Oh, hey, how Absolutely. you doing? Absolutely. <laughs> Let me restart. Never miss an opportunity to start over. And, but don't you think, uh, though, Ty, that the hardest thing for a lot of people to do in circumstances is to, we just talked about it a minute ago about doing something different. But part of that is, is admitting that you're wrong or admitting that you were off apologizing and moving on right right That's because tough. it feels so one down and and it, it feels like you're lowering yourself you know and but i think you're actually elevating yourself when you when you're aware enough to know that maybe this is i'm going at this the wrong way mm-hmm. so maybe i ought to stop take a breath apologize and move on right right so well i i respect people that are willing to oops. um just say oops yeah i've messed up oh. you know and um uh, uh I get a lot of people that come to the clinics and and they're a little ashamed and it's almost like a, some kind of confessional deal. They come oh, to yeah. me like almost like, man, I've been using a chain on that mule or I've I've done I've used this gimmick or I did this or I did that and it's like like hey you know what here's your chance to start over today's the you day know, I re- I respect them more for sure. realizing you know what I haven't maybe treated them. Mm-hmm. how I should be. Well, okay. You know it now. Now treat them right. You, can I, can I, uh, along this line, you made me think of something when, I, when you asked how I got into meals and I was fresh into these things and a lot of old timers, right. And telling me things. And I think the worst myth out there for a meal is that once they learn something, they can't unlearn it <laughs> because I am the classic green rider, never mm-hmm. ridden, learned on a green mule. And here we are 23 years later, We've ridden first level dressage to championships, right? Mm-hmm. Right. We we ride trails. We we've done just about all of it. And I have used so many different styles in, in early days. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, you, you, you know, and there she is, just going with it. So I, I, I don't believe that I think that's what's kill I think that just hurts a lot of people sometimes and ends up hurting their mules as they think, oh, where did they? then you get too worried about their background and their history and what did they learn? And on and on and yeah. on. You just start over. Yeah. Well, I have to use this bit on the meal because yeah. that's how the trainer did it. Exactly. You know, that's where I bought it from. You know, there's the cool thing nowadays. You know, everybody wants science, right? right? I mean, all you got to do is listen to the news these days. Everybody wants science. Well, guess what? We can give you science now in the exactly. equine world. We can give you some science. Here's some science. Take it or leave it. You can't really leave it because it's reality. Right. Because here, here's some science for the brain. You know, um, I think where you've heard, where we hear that is oh, once they never forget, they'll never forget, is mostly on traumatic deals. Mostly like um, somebody doing something really stupid. Okay. Right. I, I walked out there. I got mad at my mule. I smacked him with a two by four. Right. Now I can't catch him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that's They are self-preserving animals. Yep. And they do remember traumatic instances this is like i use this example in my clinics jerry i say you guys i want you all to think of your the best day of your life think of your best day close your eyes think of your best day of your life and then i see people they're kind of like man eh. i'm like was it kind of hard to pick and they, a lot of people are like yeah it's kind of hard to pick i said tell me the worst day of your life they got it mm-hmm. that's how our brains are we're all survivors even though you know if you want to go down to the predator prey thing okay 
we're all survivors of some kind. Right. And we are wired to, if we have a traumatic, whatever, traumatic instance scenario, our brain hardwires that thing so that we don't get into it again so we can survive next time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can think of that. And the mules are no different. Horses are no different. Right. Donkeys are no different. Dogs and cats are no different. Um, you know, they they understand, okay, that was really bad. You know, pay attention here and don't forget it. So um, now that doesn't mean that they're going to get you. You know, like some people right. are like, well, oh, I really screwed up. I've heard that mules hold grudges. They're going to get back at me 20 years later. I'm like, okay. That's part of your brain called the frontal lobe that's in charge of that. Right. And us humans, we're vile critters. Yes. We we can, you know, there's people that plan and connive revenge and Yeah, we're grudge holders. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are to the max. But we have a large frontal lobe. Right. The mules don't have that large frontal lobe. Theirs is much, much smaller than ours. And it's mostly, um, you know, the mules brain is mostly dedicated to motor sensory skills Mm -hmm. because they're flight animals right and uh but they don't have that capacity they they literally can't keep hold of grudge they can't exactly it's their brain is not possible it's not capable so they live in the moment yeah you know they react in the moment they don't they don't think oh well what happened to me yesterday yeah they you know if it reminds them of something that triggers something automatic then they'll get it you'll get that reaction but okay they get they get bit by a snake okay Mm -hmm. They're not going around worrying about snakes necessarily. You and I could, mm-hmm. but they don't go necessarily. I would. Yeah, I go around snakes, worrying right? about snakes. But they walk around. And they hear that rattle, and it will trigger that sure. moment they got hit by the snake before, sure. and they will be on alert. And that's that's just kind of how their flight mind works. So so yeah, it's so if you ever hear just if you ever hear somebody say a green rider should never be on a green mule. I'm the classic case of, 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 you know, of everything. Cause we, I knew nothing. I learned yeah. how to ride on her. Mm-hmm. She was three years yeah. old. Yeah. Right. So generally that's not recommended. No, I, and I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it, but yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that we've done so many different things and she's just yeah. rolled with it and learned it. Nothing traumatic. And, and that's, I think the difference, you know, I never, on a whim. I never beat her. It's on a whim. Yeah, on a whim. Well, if if you can make it, it's it is a great way to learn when you're learning together. Oh yeah. You and the animal together, learning together. It's a great way to learn. So, hey, Jerry, we're going to take a break real quick and thank right. some sponsors, and then we're going to come right back talk a little more. Good. I need to thank my friend, Mister Ben Lewis at Roman Home, Mister Ben has designed a really awesome tent. It's a cross between a wall tent and a range teepee. It's built to take tough weather, high winds. Craftsmanship is amazing. And it's made right here in the USA, right here in Utah, USA. And uh, right now, Ben has a special going on. You can save 500 bucks and uh, go to romanhome.com. Roman spelled R-O-A. M-I-N, romanhome.com, and uh, tell Ben hello. Tell him Ty sent you. All right, Jerry, we're back now. Uh, now, one thing I really like about you is your willingness to learn. You've been to three of my clinics or four? 
three or four. One, two, three. This is the fourth one. This would be the fourth one. And then a private, private clinic. Private so, two-day deal. So, but then before me, um, you you had one of my mentors out here, Brad Cameron. Yeah. And so, would you tell me a little bit about how you got Brad out here and your experiences with with his clinics and um, and then we'll get into mine. Yeah, Brad, we had Brad here in 2000 and 2001. And ironically, he was here on 9-11 the day after his clinic. He was him, him and his wife were sitting in my living room when 9-11, when we heard about that. And we're wow. going to be here this weekend on the celebra- on the 20 year anniversary of that. Yeah, it so is. It, it triggers that. I don't, I, I don't remember how I got a hold of Brad. I think I saw him in a mule magazine and just reached out, right? Mm-hmm. And, and saw that he did clinics in, around and reached out and we got to talking. And so we decided to have him in at the farm here and in the, the first two years. And, and it was, it was a terrific learning experience because when we had him in in 2000, I had, I had owned mules for about a year and a half. So I was uh, really, that's where I started brand to new. get, I was so brand new. So all that experimenting I was telling you about is that's where I started to really start to, learn the more about the mules. And at that point, it sort of became a, uh, I'm one of these people that if I'm going to do something, I want to know about it, right? I don't just want to play around with it. If I'm going to commit myself to it, I want to study it, whatever that happens to be. And and so that Brad, so Brad got me really thinking hard about mules and and training. And, you know, I, at those days it was VHS tapes and the whole bit, and I'd watch those things. And, 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 uh, and then, um, in Michigan, we're not, this isn't a big mule capital of the world. So we had essentially that year, the same people two years in a row and everybody didn't want to come back. So, so that's why we stopped having them. Uh, always wanted to have another clinic. And then Brad sort of, I, we stayed in touch over the years, little bits here and there, but, and then I, of course we ran into you and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, um, and I, I think you've taken that information and, and advanced it quite a bit in terms of mindset, mentality, um, you know, the principal part of it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Brad's terrific. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think you've, you've deepened it some in, in terms of, which fits my, me, because of what I do for a living and, and who I am. So, mm-hmm. so, so I, that, that's, that's why I, I've appreciated that. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Brad, he's a, he's a cool son of a gun. He's oh, yeah. uh, he's retired now. Yeah. He owns a, I'll give him a shout out. The bridal horse shop. Okay. The bridal I didn't know horse that. shop. You Google it. It's uh, anyways. He's making like really fancy, beautiful headstones. No kidding. Yeah, and and his his wife Liz is uh, she's wrote me. She listens to podcasts, so she might hear this episode. Oh, good. So, well, hey, listening, guys. Liz and Brad. Hello. Hey guys. But uh, yeah, I I when I was a teenager, I went to one of his clinics he did in Utah cult starting clinic a long time ago. So that was really kind of my introduction to a lot of this stuff was, was that, that cult starting deal, that kind of. Yeah. I, did, I went through mind. one of those with him too, with one, the mule you just listened to a second ago. Yeah, we, yeah. we started him here that. Yeah. That just kind of opened my mind yeah. about this whole world. And then yeah. of course I just kept learning from there. So. And they're great people. And I, I, it was so long ago. They had a, I think they had a baby at the time. So that kid's probably in his twenties now. As yeah, I, recall, I think they had a baby when they were here. I, yeah, it's a while back, but I still got their rope halters and I still got their flag. So I, I mean, this, this <laughs> amazing how the stuff stays goes around, on. Right? Yeah, yeah. And well, that, actually, I, I, the last thing I want to say now that I know they might listen, but I, I, I have said this to you before. 
I mean, they, I really owe Brad the beginning of what's become the best 23 years of my life in mules and, and around these animals. And, and he's the one that got me kind of opened you up, kind of opened me up and got me motivated and got me thinking differently. And, and I mean, I didn't even, I couldn't even get him to go around in circles on the, doing the, doing the groundwork. I, I didn't even know how to use the swing on one hand and the other. He had to teach me. How, I did. I was, oh, yeah. oh, I was. Well, you know, the, at the time, at the time he was the only one going right. down the road teaching That's right. this philosophy of right. mealmanship. Right. You know, this style of mealmanship. Um, there's plenty of other clinicians, but it's not the same. Right. It's not the same, you know, and then uh, it's still these days, me and there's a fellow named Jerry Tyndale. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, him and I are pretty much the only ones right. going down the road teaching these things, you know, and and he's and he seems to stay home a lot more these days too. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's fun. So, how did you see? Let's see. The first clinic you came to was Claire with me. Yes, Claire, Michigan. Yeah. And uh, how did you hear about that? Well, actually, I had heard about the clinic the year before that you had in Bangor, yeah. which is south of me, which is actually a little closer to me. And I was going to come that night, that day. And I don't remember, you know, life got in the way. Something happened at the last minute and mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to come. And then I was going to come and watch. And you know how that goes. All of a sudden, it's two weeks after the fact. So when I didn't get to come to that, um, I don't I think I heard about it on Facebook or from some people I knew in the mule world who were at that clinic and they were coming to Claire and, and I did some looking into you and started looking at some of your stuff online. And, and I thought, yeah, you know, I, I need to, I want to do that. These clinics are fun. So I, I want to go and, and, and see what I can learn now. Yeah. Did you know at the time that I taught similar to Brad? I didn't, I didn't until I looked at your stuff and then I realized it was, it, it was very similar to Brad. Yeah. So that it would fit, right? Yeah. And, and because uh, I, you, you know, I, this has been successful for me and it, with my animals here at home, and and I, thought I wouldn't change. Stop, I wouldn't change. Oh yeah. Philosophies at this point, but yep. but uh, when I saw that, and then you were going to be two miles up the road, and mm-hmm. and I'm familiar with Claire because I went to college in Mount Pleasant, so it's it's right down the road, so it, it, I know the area real well. Yeah. So uh, and I always like to meet more other mule folks locally. There aren't many of us in Michigan, so. Yeah, it's kind of surprising they're, you know, you're, they're spread out all over the state. Right. You know, a lot of places I go, I'll find these little pockets of, of mealmanship people, horsemanship people. Not in Michigan. You guys are scattered. You know, there's one over, over the here, state. one over there. You know, there's not really a, an area. What's um, funny is, is that this is how old I am, how long I've been in now, which is amazing, is when we started, there was probably only about seven or eight of us that even considered saddle mules in Michigan at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's grown quite a bit, but it's still compared to other areas. It's, it's, it's still a, it's, it's a nothing. Yeah. Nothing area, but, but we love it. And, yeah. And, uh, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. We're yeah it's, it's, it's been fun coming up here. At, you know, my first clinic here in Michigan was Bangor, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that seems like a long time ago now. It's, it's not that long ago, Five, but it's, it, yeah, it just now. seems, yeah, it's been fun coming up. Um, I want to shift gears a bit, Jerry. Uh, now yesterday you and I had a fun conversation. I really appreciated it and I really appreciate your expertise on this stuff, but we were talking about hope Yes. and, uh, it was fascinating. You got, you got my wheels turning. And like you said earlier in this episode here, um, there's so many similarities between what you do Mm -hmm. and what I do. 
and uh, and hope is one of those things that if if people don't have some hope, don't know where to go right. next, or don't know that they can make it. Right. And I was talking to you, and I said, you know, I, I can look at these mules in these clinics, and I know I can, and I'll use mm-hmm. the word fix, and I use the word mm-hmm. fix, and even though that's not that great of a word, but for my lack of vocabulary, fix. I know I can fix that problem because I've done it a hundred times over. Right. And uh, I've seen that type of mule over and over again. It's just another day, you know, what's that all saying? No, no hill for a climber, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it was no bit, no big deal. Right. But to that person that comes to my clinic, let's just say that has a, a mule that, that bolts, you know, or, mm-hmm. or is bucking them off or whatever it is. Some, it, it is the biggest problem in their life right now, probably. Right. And, um, you know, and, uh, so let's let's talk about hope because in, in your business and the people that you're training to help other people are going to be dealing, like you said, with people that may not have hope that right. life can get better here. Right. Let's talk about that. So five or six years ago, it's always been threaded through my work, but I started thinking about this. What's the, what's the what am I missing here? Right? Because we we want people to be motivated, but why are some people motivated and some people not? Why don't bad circumstances just motivate people to do something different? I really got looking into the idea of hope, and 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 I so I spent a lot of time studying it and sort of forming my my thoughts, and I teach it to my to my students now, and and and, and I think this right. While we don't know if hope is just part of the human condition and it gets drained out of us by circumstances, or if some of us never get it, or if it's developed, nobody knows that. To me, it's if I don't have any hope that tomorrow could be better. Okay, that tomorrow could be a little better, or that I'm not somebody that can have it better. If it's then, why would I endure the process of trying to make it better? Does that make sense? Do you understand? So, if 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 I don't think there's any reason, if this isn't going to work in my mind, if I don't truly believe that this might help even a little bit, Mm -hmm. then I won't endure the struggle to get there. Right? Whether that's in my business. If I don't believe that I'm from the kind of family and neighborhood and I'm the kind of person that can actually get my life on track, that can get over, get off of drugs or whatever, then why would I try to get off of drugs? I might tell you I will, right? Because that's what you want to hear. But why would I endure the struggle of actually doing it if I've been convinced my whole life that that's not for me, that that's for other people have that thing, have those good things happen to them. But not I don't. My kind of people don't have those good things happening to them. So then you take it to the mules, right? And you, I got, I've been thinking about that bolting, you know, because that's such a common thing is their mule bolts and drags them down the aisle, right? Well, I've had mule, I got a rescue out there that broke my wife's wrist doing that. If, even if you don't, see, when people ask me, how do you develop hope? So even if I've never fixed a mule, to use your word, if I've never done that in my life, what I try to do is get people to call up circumstances in their lives in the past where they faced something and they, and they did something good about it. doesn't even matter what it is. Right. Right. Because if you could do it over there, you can do it over here. Oh yeah. That's good stuff. Do, do you, you know what I mean? If you, so, because most of the people that come to your clinics aren't people that have been around mules most of their lives. They've, they've, if they've had a problem mule, they've, they've, uh, still got the problem mule that's why they're at your clinic right i mean yeah. so they and, and they start to get run down and then the worst part of this is even in their own heart 
or in their own heads, they start to think this is going to be impossible. And this is where the community comes into place. And then you put it on a web page somewhere or on a, on a page of mule of experts, quote unquote, just, somewhere. Just post Facebook. <laughs> post it on Facebook and, and all the keyboard oh, experts man. come out in mm. 70% of the people that give you advice, tell you that you should sell the mule because there's mm. nothing anybody can do about it. Now you've got no hope. So even if I show up to the clinic and, and it, I don't really in my heart believe this is going to work. Mm. Right. And without hope, not hope for miracles. I'm just talking about, hope for a little bit better tomorrow than it was today, which is what you teach, right? Right. Just to, yep. just work with what you got, make it a little better step at a time. And you might relapse, but you, you know, blah, that's my other language, but without that kind of hope, there's no motivation. Does, does that make sense? You got to have hope. Well, hope so. is a motivator. And I'm not using hope. People can use hope in the, in any sense they want. I, I'm not using it in a spiritual or religious sort of a way. I'm just using it in a, but it certainly can be that, right? Right. I'm using it in a, is, is it possible that tomorrow might be a little better than today? Mm-hmm. If it is, then I'm willing to do what I need to do to get to tomorrow. If it isn't, then I'm going to let today ride and I'm just going to survive. Right. Right. That's my business. So, but there's so many parallels to working with the animals and overcoming fear um, um, on and on and on, you know, and again, most of us uh, not in the mule world, most of us haven't had the experiences you and other people have had where you've overcome this stuff. Mm-hmm. So you look at it and go, yeah, but we've all, most of us have had a dilemma in our life that we've done something about and it's worked mm-hmm. out, call that up. Right. And yeah. if you could do it about something over there, you can do it about this too. Again, we're not talking about miracles. We're talking about baby steps. Right. Right. So do you think you can borrow hope from others? I do. I do. Talk about that. I do. I think it's, I think a lot of our hope is community based. It's, it's, it's network based. Right. So I do believe well, if I'm trying to build a house, yeah. <laughs> you should be laughing already. If I try well, to build a house, I, yeah. I have no clue. I did clue. that this summer. YouTube yeah. is a great thing. But. I have no idea. I mean, I'm no contractor. I'm not a carpenter. I don't, I, nothing. I, that would be so huge. But what you just said, YouTube, right? Yeah. YouTube. Oh, okay. I start one, right. you know, one little piece at a time. Maybe I could borrow some. Oh, well, I know a house can be built because they're everywhere. Yes. And Somebody's I, doing it. And a human did that. Yeah. I'm a human. Right. I can do it. And it's even going to be better yet if, like me, when I, I did this edition for the first time this year, I have people around me that says, this is really good. Mm-hmm. You're really doing, you know, you can do this. Yeah. I'd step back and go, I don't know how to put that ceiling on. How am I going to do this? And somebody say, oh, it's easy. You can mm-hmm. do this. So so the community, the people you surround yourself with can either provide hope when you don't have it. And then it starts external. And then sooner or later, when you get make a baby step, you start to believe it, right? Right? Oh, yeah. Or you can put people around you that think you're worthless or that talk to you like you're worthless. And you're going to not be able to do it. And you're going to give up. And you're going to quit and sell the meal, which which is fine if that's the choice you make. But you hate to see on these, on these pages, I see so many people that are just, you can tell by the end of the post thread, they're just so run down. Because everybody they've never met is giving them advice, just like asking for vet advice online, please. Yeah. Right. right? I mean, 
Um, so the people are, surround yourself with their, that's why the clinic environment is so cool because if somebody is, and every year there's somebody like that, I can't do this, Ty, you fix it. I can't do this. Would you ride my mule? You, 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 and you, you say, no, nah, we're going to get you to do this thing. Right. And then we can come in whether we know we're doing it or not and say, Hey, good job. You did a great job. Even if they just got on it and walked 10 steps, yeah. we can say, Hey, that's a great job. And in that way you start to get hope you start to believe in yourself and you start to get a little hope which is believing in yourself translated as hope right yeah. right yeah and uh and then you got friends that'll support you right right i mean one of my favorite proverbs is, is iron sharpens iron absolutely as one man sharpens another you know and long story short you become who you hang out with absolutely. and i work i i think i put most of my effort in the clinics into building a positive environment. That's not a not a uh, uh, you know way off the you know crazy positive. No, like right. li it's always going to be great. No, no, life is not going to be great all the time. In fact, life is usually not great. Right. But you can do your best to it. You can make. You can right. do this. And I I try really hard to build that culture in the clinics. And I try hard to get people patting each other on the back, tell them good job. Tell well, you, you know, that's great. You know, there's a reason why I have this theory why uh, all of us buy exercise machines for our basements and none of them ever use it because <laughs> it's hard to endure weightlifting and the extra extra reps all by yourself. But you go stick yourself in a gym or bring four friends over who are cheering you on and you'll do the extra reps and you'll go do the you'll push the run you'll push, you'll push right right because the people around you but if you bring in a bunch of people that say oh we got that thing for you. you're just a fat slob you're not going to be able to do this stuff then you just yeah. hang clothes on it right right we use it which is what mine when i used to have one it became a clothes hanger so so yeah. so no no I, I i think that so the last thing i will say there's a thing that i teach it's that is science-based it's research-based and it's it, it, it's the premise it's where this whole discussion came from and it's the statement it's my first principle which says um um, people who live good, healthy, mentally healthy, well-adjusted lives have lifetime connections to helpful and supportive systems. Systems being anything from good people to groups to whatever it is. So that the secret to success, whether you're in addiction or the secret to a good, healthy life is healthy connections to helpful and supportive systems across the lifetime. That can be church, faith traditions, uh, churches, groups, bowling league. It can be anything, right? Right. Systems makes it sound fancy, but it, it doesn't have to be. It's, it's just. And, and so I think that's the secret. So I think you're on the right track. Right. And if you don't, if and those that, that don't have that or are isolated and alone are the ones that do awful things. I mean, just study the 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 case studies of, of mass shooters and serial killers, they're, they're isolated and alone. They can live next down the street. Nobody knows them. Nobody talks to them. They're a little odd. Everybody leaves them alone. And they're the ones that cook this stuff up in your head. And we would all cook stuff up in our head if we were locked in a cabin in the woods for seven months with nobody, no feedback other than feedback, Facebook groups who will tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. You know, I, because uh, I, I see a lot of people doing things with their mules or their horses that I feel like, man, if you, if you were riding with a bunch of pals, exactly. you, you, if you were out just, you know, you, you'd never do that. Right. And uh, now I'm not dogging on people that come to a clinic and they come in there and they're, they got a piece of gear. Cause I try very, very comfortably to tell them, Hey, 
let's change that up a little bit. Right. I, I don't publicly shame them. No, you don't. Because they, they finally, very well. finally, they finally got the guts to come to a clinic. Right. Okay. Let's help you out. You know, but, uh, but yeah, when you're on your own, yeah, you can cook stuff up, do some dumb things. And you yeah. got one person who says, you know, I learned early on. It's funny you said that too. I learned early on that whenever somebody starts by telling me, well, you know, I, if I got a question, well, you know, I've been in these meals and horses for most of my life. <laughs> Usually I click that right at that moment. I click that off because yeah. you don't have to tell me you've been in it for years, because if your advice is good and sound, then I'm going to know you've been in it for years. Right. It's sort of like, you don't have to tell me if you're good looking because I'll be able to, you don't have to tell me if you're smart <laughs> because you'll, I'll know, yeah, you know, don't tell me if you're smart. Yeah. Because that means you're probably not. Yes. If you just talk to me, let me figure that out for myself. So. I, I get that a lot, mostly because I'm a, a pretty young clinician. Yeah. That's changing by the day, right? <laughs> no, I, Time's amazing thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I started pretty young in my career. And Brad told me something that I just really appreciated from him years ago. He said, there's a big difference and in 20 years of writing experience or one year of writing experience 20 times. Oh yeah. A lot of people have one year of writing experience, 20, 30, 40, 50 times. Right. Others have, you know, 20, 20 years. 30, 40, 50 years right. of experience. It means they're growing upon it. Yeah. And, uh, Brad told me that. And, That's um, fantastic. yeah, it's good. You know, there's a big difference. And uh, a lot. Of, anyways, what I was saying is because I am fairly young at, at these clinics, folks will say. I'm not uh, fairly I, young. Right? No, Jerry's not fairly young. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's fairly old. I'm no. fairly old. That's exactly Hey, right. it ain't the years, it's the miles. It's, but the gray hair yeah. does great for wisdom. People oh, believe yeah. you have wisdom when you walk in. You bet. So. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, they'll they'll say, well, I've been – if you probably find this in your business too. You're an expert – until somebody disagrees with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. As soon as you disagree, your, your expertise doesn't really matter. And that's where I hear, oh, I've been in this 20, 30 years <laughs> since 1905. I've been riding meals, you know. Uh, what I don't, what, what, what's funny. So I used to do workshops like in my field, like you and people would spend all kind of money to come to these things. And some of them were pretty expensive. And some of them weren't. They'd sit in my audience and they'd pay me their money. And then they'd want to sit in the audience and argue with me. And, and, and I used to say to people, you, you, you know, if you're going to pay me this kind of money, at least hear me out. Open your mind up and hear me out. Now, when you leave, you can reject everything that I've said. Absolutely. There's no, I don't care. Right. Right. I, I got, if I'm going to be very, very pragmatic, I got paid. So, so it doesn't really matter, but at least open your, your brain and your heart up, take in what I've got, throw out what you don't like. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, that, but that's goes back to that original conversation we had about people keeping doing the same things over and over again. And there's this other whole little thing that I teach about cognitive dissonance that is that 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 we we tend to when we hold beliefs, we tend to surround ourselves with people in circumstances that only verify the beliefs that we have. And we reject out of hand anybody who disagrees with us. And we've seen that in our country for the last few years. And yeah. and, 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 and and it's just it's a very proven sort of deal. Um, you can find out whatever information you want. Absolutely. If you if you want to know that Coca-Cola is going to kill you. That's right. You can look it up and it'll tell you. That's exactly right. You know, or that what, a shot's going to make you magnetic or whatever what, the stuff whatever. is that you hear about, right? Whatever. You can you can find and, it. And what, if you only live in those bubbles, then everything, everybody else is crazy. Yeah, and right? with with the mules, oh, you got to do it. Absolutely. Oh, you, you know, 
mules can't eat this. They can't do that. They only do this. They only do that. And it's really not that simple. Sometimes I wish it was I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a meal. You have to do this. Exactly. It'd be so easy. Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be so easy. You know, oh this God. is a mule bit. Right. Sky always jokes, is, you know, because people want a mule bit. Yeah. And there's mule bits out there. I know that. Oh man, if you first page of Google, it's ridiculous. You Google mule bit, and this is ridiculous. They look like medieval, yeah, sort of ridiculous torture, torture thing. I'm like, how, how did they get the first page of mule bit? You know, right. how do, how can I get the first page of mule bit to be a snaffle, just a nice, I ride snaffle in a bit. nice mylar. Every one get, of my animals, including Zelda, has a mylar snaffle, and they yeah, do how, just how fine. do you get, yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, yeah, but yeah, you can find whatever you want to find right. out there. That's right. Hey, we're going to take another quick break here, Jerry. And All then right. when we get back, uh, let's talk about Zelda, the Zorse, right. huh? All right. Okay. Hey, friends. I want to thank our amazing sponsors over at the Boyd Ranch Mule Days. I've been going down to the Boyd Ranch just outside of sunny Wickenburg, Arizona uh, for the past couple of years. I've had a lot of fun doing clinics down there, and I can't wait to go back in March. Boyd Ranch Mule Days is now the entire week of March 7th through the 13th, 2022. And, of course, my clinic is three days long. That's the 7th through the 9th. Uh, along with my good friend, Mr. Chris Clark, who is a Grand Canyon uh, veteran. He's been down there, been packing many years, very experienced, and a great teacher. You'll enjoy learning from Chris well you know they also got a driving clinic down there and uh, you know I don't know a lot about driving and uh, this is gonna be fun to to see what's going on over there there's some they're covering some basic harnessing and driving single and double you know after three full days of clinicking between my clinic the packing clinic and the driving clinic then it's time to get out on the trail they got short medium long rides uh, going on and also an ultra long wilderness ride they offer uh, they got their famous trail obstacle course they they got their all-out mule ramble going on they're giving away ribbons prizes and i think they've even talked me into being the announcer for the event so i'm gonna have a blast there for sure every night there's there's food good food uh, they got concerts going on live music and dancing and it's gonna be a ton of fun family friendly and i just can't wait to be there if you want to come to boyd ranch mule days i'd love to see you there go visit boydranch.org for more information and to apply to join us hey i can't wait to see you there looking forward to it all right we're back jerry um got some good stuff we could just go on and on about oh, this yeah. kind of stuff you're fascinating they can take a class from you that's right <laughs> you they do that that's a, what you do for a living take a class, yeah. but uh i want to shift again here and mm -hmm. uh back to this zelda the source all right the the legend my girl zelda your girl she's cool um so when it comes to these sources and zonkeys zonkey am i saying that right yeah, I, I think. The, yeah. That, the, so, so Zorse, for people that have no clue what we're talking about, it's a zebra and a horse cross. Yes. Okay. And a zonkey would be a zebra and a donkey, donkey cross. cross. But yeah. Zelda is a Zorse. Zorse. Yes. And to tell us tell us just about her. She Tell us what she's out of, what okay. kind of mare, and let's start there and how you okay, got her. So her Zelda's stallion was a Grebe zebra, which is a plains 
uh, endangered zebra. It's, it's got narrower stripes. It's not the one, the small one with the big wide stripes you see all the time. These come about 15 hands, so it's, they're a, a little, little bit bigger. bigger. And her, her, mare, her, her, her mama was a Belgian draft horse. So she is a, a cross between a gravy zebra and a Belgian draft horse. And she is um, huge. As she's you, big. She's 16 too. Yeah, she's big. She probably weighs, what do you think, 1,500, would you guess? She might weigh 1,600 now because she hasn't been exercised well, much. But... You, it's it's obvious that you starve her. Like, yeah. Her size. She's, oh, she's huge. She's, she's <laughs> huge. She's got plenty of weight. She's stand up next to her. Good. Oh, man. And, and I'm five foot ten, and when she puts her head up, when she stands up with her neck up, I, I can barely touch her pole. So, yeah, so she's, she's huge. So, And um, she uh, came to us. So a guy here at locally, a real rich uh, guy, used to collect and, and house exotic animals on his farms. He's well known for that. And my wife went to a fundraiser for a cancer fundraiser at his estate because he has an estate and we have a farm. So, so he went to their estate and... And there was Zelda, and her name was Sally. And Cheryl got looking at her and talking to the farm manager about her, and almost missed the fundraiser and came home with a picture and said, "I want we, we got to get one." Well, then we researched them online a little bit and found out that about ninety percent of them are are next to untrainable and really spotty and oh yeah and 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 they they're unpredictable and mm -hmm. so I said, "No, yeah, we, we we'll go look at her, but I don't want her." About three months goes by, and the gentleman that owned her had, was 95 and 96 at the time had passed away, and her and the and left the animals to the farm manager, and they nobody would take her because she the zoos wouldn't take her because she's a hybrid, and so he called us up and said, "You want her? You can have her." Well, no, I didn't want her because I <laughs> didn't want to have her kill things. So mm -hmm. we uh, we went out to the farm where or to the estate where she was, and she was in the pen with. To a Shetland pony, two full-blooded zebras, and a camel. That was where she lived. And she was leaning against the thing. And it was one of those windy spring days that puts horses on alert, you know, with mm -hmm. stuff blowing around. And I went in without a halter. And I walked up to her and petted her, played with both ears, picked up all four feet, reached in her mouth, pulled out her tongue, grabbed a hold of her tail, and pulled it around, put my thumb underneath the little, little bone underneath the front there, and sort of walked forward. And she followed me around the pen. And I went, okay, we'll take her. <laughs> we'll take her. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that she's, uh, she, they had gotten scared of her because somebody was, they brought somebody in to ride her, and I'm sure they put a pinching saddle on her. And she reared a little bit, and the rider came off, and so then they figured it's a horse. So we brought her home in 2004. She was six years old. Um, worried about the fences. She's fit right in. She's, She's never done anything wrong, anything bad. She, we think it's got to be the Belgian blood in the genetic pool that might have calmed the zebra down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, the original owner that bred her, we got videos, is the one that handled her and, and broke her to ride. And so I think she's been handled the whole time. And, and, and uh, she is the most, she's probably the gentlest, most predictable animal that I have on the farm. I have never she's really seen it. I've never seen any zebra behavior out of her. And we've, like I told you yesterday, we've been in some pretty under saddle. We've been in some pretty tricky deals. You got to tell a story about the, the affair. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So we're down in Columbus, Ohio. So for a while there, people would bring us in to ride just to see her ride because mostly, most of them can't even do anything. So I, we were in this thing and I was in a parking lot filled with farm implements 
hay rakes and tractors and whatnot on a little island that was waiting for the to go into this outdoor this big tent arena and we had our backs to the arena and all of a sudden zelda's ear sort of turned towards where people were coming and i turned and looked and here comes these people running at us a thunderstorm had blown up a big strong gust of wind blew one of those craft craft tents those white Little craft tent pop, deals, top tents. pop top tents yeah. and it was coming head over heels right straight at us oh no and i'm thinking oh, she's man. gonna die and i'm gonna die right because yep. she's gonna turn and jump into a hay rake yep. or into a you manure did. spreader and we're done yep she stood there literally didn't even you know how you can feel them shake on between your legs sometimes she just stood there and watched that thing blow by missed us by about five feet right and the crowd got there and nobody could believe it and I actually couldn't believe it and she and then we went in and I my first words in the tent were well there was our clinic right out there in the there was our demo yeah, right out there in the that's barn, all you need right? to see I mean you don't need to see anything else she's uh, uh at this another one of those things a friend of mine uh, is a bullwhip master and we trained her right on the spot in front of 500 people to bullwhip cracking around her oh, wow. I held a piece of celery and he cracked it out of my hand while I'm on her back I've got that all on video that's awesome. She just stood there like nothing. So she, I, 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 I don't take credit for all of that. Some of it's genetic. Some of it's her original owner, I think. She came to us pretty pretty green under saddle, and I've done a lot of work with her, but, but I'm no trainer. I, it's just I treated her like a mule until she told me otherwise. That's what somebody said, what are you going to do with her? She I said, I'm going like to treat her like a mule yeah. until she tells me that she's not a mule, right? Because she's... And she looks like a mule. Like she's a she huge just, mule just, with stripes. Just, yeah, big mule stripes. You yeah. know, you... I ha does she does she bray? Or does she... Well, it's... Nay, sort, or does she kind yeah, of a zebra? It sort of sounds... I'm, she's, What's the noise? Well, she knickers a lot because she wants food, but but she's sort of the strong silent type, which is good. Yeah. Because when she brays, it sounds like somebody is pulling her hooves off it's really it's loud and it's sort of a cross between a zebra noise and a and a and a bray and a whinny yeah. and it's it's just really sort of you can hear it it, it hits you all the way to your spine man, wow. when she's talking about but luckily she's the strong silent type mm -hmm. I, I put on facebook a couple of videos of her making some noise i would sort of tease her with a grain bucket to get mm -hmm. her to say something and yeah. i finally got her to to uh, to make a little noise but not not much she doesn't say much at all zebra she's talking is, she's pissed yeah pardon my language but yeah. if she's talking she's she's hungry so yeah <laughs> you know zebras are are interesting to me because you know pretty much pretty much every other equine in this world all these different cultures thousands of years right. have figured out how to ride these things there's a reason why i think and then zebras <laughs> Don't get ridden. And there's some exotic deals going on. So I, I know some people that ride a zebra yeah. here and there, and they've got them broke. I had the opportunity to, to work with one zebra, and I don't feel like that's any not enough experience to speak on anything. It's kind of like people that say, oh, I worked with a mule once, and they were yeah, right. whatever. And like, okay, well, one, is does it make yeah. a thing? I read an article in Western yeah. Horseman. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, but I, I worked with a zebra, and it was just to get to, just to halter break the thing. Right. And it was just a, a little yearling, too. And that thing kicked my butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, they, it was, it was very aggressive. Um, well, that's the you know, difference. The, they're, very, they're aggressive. Yeah. They'll attack you. Well, they won't run from you. They'll well, you can get you. horses to move out of, out of fear. Right. You put a little pressure on a horse sure. or a mule, and you know they go away from the pressure. 
that zebra was so prone. You put pressure on it, and, and its instinct typically was to come to you, push yes. you, kick you, bite. And right. uh, I'm like, okay, are all of you like this, or is just just you, you little turd? You know, no, I didn't. Uh, all like yeah, that. and uh, uh, I've only seen a few people get along with some select zebras. Yeah. Zebra. We have somebody near us here that does a nice job with some zebras, but yeah. But let me let me let me say this. I get these since Zelda went public these years ago. Uh, we don't advocate breeding for Zorses, right? Mm. They're cute. We don't advocate people buying them. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. We, please hear it. That's not me, Jerry, saying, oh, I got some secret sauce. We got lucky. Oh, okay. I, I, that's how I see it, right? Mm. She came, and all I could do is mess her up, right? Well, luckily, because of some of the stuff we talked about with Brad training, and I, I was able not to mess her up. Mm. Um, because since she's gone public, I get phone calls like this. So I will fly you to my home in New York. I will pay you whatever you want. We have a source in the round pen that we haven't been able to get a halter on for two years. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> and I immediately say to people, I am not a trainer. Mm -hmm. I, I work with my own animals. I'm really sorry about that. And I, I've met other people that, that will say that they were so proud of their Zors. One woman at a show one time said, just yesterday I got I, I got her to walk in the halter to the end of the driveway and back without without doing anything stupid. And I said, how long have you been working that? She's four years. <laughs> yeah. So I don't recommend you do it. We got lucky, right? Mm -hmm. We're we we got the perfect storm of an animal and 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 um and I'm we're, both my wife and I are very careful not to make ourselves sound like we're some zebra whisperer. whisperer. Yeah, no, 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 no. She's one of a kind. There's one other guy that I know. So the funny thing is, there's another. That she was the first Belgian draft horse cross that we know of. There's another guy that did one down in Texas, and he used to talk to me about this. And that that one's name is Elvis, and Virgil trained Elvis. It, I, I, that's when I, how I met Virgil. Um, and the reason that that one got named Elvis is because I made the joke that when I have her out somewhere, people forget that I'm with them and they, and they look like uh, they only want her and they'll forget that I was there. And it must be what the hangers on around Elvis felt like. Yep. You, you, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. so that's why he named that Elvis. And that one, I, I guess does okay, but I, I hadn't heard, but most of them don't, that. most of them don't. That's interesting. So. Zelda has a Facebook page, right? Yes, Zelda the Zorse on Facebook. Zelda page. the Zorse on Facebook, and she, we put up pictures and videos, and and she it's, she writes her own posts, so so <laughs> yeah. so you know she's pretty good at it. I actually had somebody ask me yeah. how she did it one time. And I, <laughs> I had him. I said, you know, the TV screen on the stall wall is one thing, but the when we had to put the big keyboard on the floor, like in the movie Big, uh -huh. so she could tap yeah. on it. That's yeah. when that's when they realized I was messing with them. Yeah, so. yeah. that's <laughs> awesome. Zelda the Zorse is pretty cool. I posted a video on my Facebook page, and Good. and more people knew her knew her than. Oh, I mean, oh, I know Zelda, and uh, there was an I, uprising I, at uh, at uh, she was featured at the Brayer Horse Festival this summer as an article, and and there's an uprising to get her made as a Brayer Horse, but they they, they just won't do it. Others have done it. I see them on Facebook. I get art sent to me every once in a while. Somebody oh, yeah. takes a picture and does a drawing, and they'll, they'll send me the art. So thank you. Keep them coming. But, yeah, that's but, pretty cool. Yeah. She's 23, we think, right now. 
and she seems to be going strong and I'm about to get her riding again. So get her, get her a little exercise. I haven't been on her a little bit. So we're going to yeah. ride around. I don't, you know, just walk and trot around. Awesome. All right, Jerry, this has been a good time. Yeah. Uh, so now I feel bad because you've already given a ton of great advice and great words, but at the end of all my podcasts with guests, I like to ask if there's any advice that you would give people that, uh, that are that are on this journey of horsemanship and mulemanship and right. what what would you tell these these folks? Um, some of this is going to sound like you, Ty, right? Because it so fits what I I've always believed, right? Number one is patience. Number two is is uh, is don't set your expectations so so high, right? Just just work with what you've got and take one step at a time and build a relationship with them and 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 you can be firm but not mean. Um, but you know, I have six pretty good mules down there and a couple of them I really love and they're not perfect and they're never going to be bridal mules and they're always going to be in snaffle bits and they do everything I want them to do and I'm safe on them and they're safe with me. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's good enough for me. Right. Right. And so when you come along, I'm learning little things to, to, to teach them really to teach myself something new, you, you know, oh, yeah. have patience, work with the mule you've got. Don't push them too far, too fast. And don't listen to people who think they know what they're talking about unless they really do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, research your sources, man. You know, research you know, your sources. Listen to this man. Listen to some of these people that, that have done this. Because mm -hmm. the advice online is just, it's everything I can do not to get in arguments with people. But it doesn't work. That was her. That was that was, that was right Zelda. there. Um, yeah. So, well, so. we got it. So um, um, that's it. Patience, patience, patience. You'll get the meal you want if you stay with it. That's good. Good stuff, Jerry. Hey, I appreciate you. This, is, this has been good. Thanks for letting me use your studio. We're hanging out here in Jerry's studio. He, he does online classes, online courses. Uh, what's the school? Grand Valley State University. Grand Valley State Grand University. Rapids, so. Michigan. Yeah, so appreciate you letting us use the studio hey, today. And My pleasure. And uh, appreciate all the background noise of the all the critters down there. Until it's lunchtime, can't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> hey, we're going to call it a, a podcast now. Uh, so thank thanks. you, Jerry, and, and all of you, thanks for listening. Appreciate you tuning in. God bless you. We'll see you down the road. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors, Western Mule Magazine. Ben and Anita Tennyson do a amazing job with their magazine. I've been writing for them for a few years now, and uh, they're great. Look up Western Mule Magazine dot com and check them out.